I'm just feeding my habit. If there was no scene, it would be hard for me to enjoy it. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. On this episode, I met up with Sal Sacco, president of the Rhode Island Bluegrass Alliance. We talked about everything this organization does for local musicians and his own introduction to bluegrass music. You were going to hear us mention picking quite a bit, and for those of you that aren't familiar, it's basically referring to jamming, but is making reference to the use of a flat pick on the instrument as opposed to finger style to guide the melody of a song. If you are enjoying these episodes, please give the show a positive review and tell your friends. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Living Room UTB. I guess just to get started, where did you grow up in Rhode Island? I grew up in Western Coventry, out in the uh, in the sticks with all the farmers and, and cow barns and... Um, we uh, we worked we worked the barns for my friends so that they okay. could get their chores done and we could get on to doing what we wanted to do. Yeah, um, it was it was a, a disappearing lifestyle that that uh, I, I had fortune of being able to take part in when I was growing up. Okay, and do you have siblings that? I do. I've got uh, two sisters and a brother, and um, uh, you know we all had different uh, views of that experience. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I loved it. You know, I I, I think uh, uh, I have at least one sister who didn't think it was the most ideal growing okay. up situation. So all right, and who introduced you to music? Um, my parents uh, uh, had us take uh, music lessons when we were very young. I mean, at ten years old, I was taking guitar lessons. Okay, and my brother, uh, who was three years younger than me, was taking uh, I think guitar lessons too. And my my uh, sister was taking um, a keyboard at the time, so we used to have music instructors come to the house and okay and, and uh, give us all lessons. Yeah, so. was it any particular style of music, or was it just you know, no? Like you know, I, I uh, it was right out of the Alfred's book until uh, you know I heard I was a teenager and I heard that song that I just uh, you know I had to play and then I asked my instructor to play it for me and yeah. so I played pop music you know after that. Yeah, do you remember what that song was? Do you remember that that kind of caught your ear? Um, yeah, it's really uh, it's really embarrassing. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Seasons in the sun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously that was bubblegum music, but I was probably fourteen at the time. So yeah. really, uh, after that it was all rock and roll. So okay, yeah. So when did you? Start playing music then. So yeah, so you know, took lessons um, through uh, you know up until probably high school, mm-hmm. and then um, you know played in my friends' garages until you know till college. Okay. And um, and then kind of stopped for a little bit. I remember thinking, well, I either got to get a degree or keep playing in the garage bands. Yeah. And uh, so I got the degree, and then um, got married, and then my wife bought me a guitar. 
Yeah. Uh, she remembered that when we dated, you know, I used to play, and then that it started up again. Started with campfires and moved out from there. So. Okay. What kind of music were you playing in garages? Uh, that was rock music. You know, um, uh, squeeze. Uh, All right. You know, probably whatever was on the was on top forty at the time. Okay. Yeah, radio was kind of the driver for a lot of right. A lot of that. Yeah. Who were your musical influences then, like around that time, like when you were growing up? Like, is it those types of bands? Yeah, you know, you know, kind of like all over the all over the map. You know, um, okay. Jethro Tull. I, mm-hmm. I loved Jethro Tull uh, when I was younger. When I was in, uh, you know, pre high school, uh, in high school actually, probably Kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then and then Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. Um, you know, those were the those were the, the bands that we listened to, and then later it became, you know, the Alan Parsons Project okay. and yeah. maybe Supertramp or you know, I've always always loved the Beatles. Yeah. But in my house, um, up until again, up until high school, it was all country music. So I guess with the the country music in in the house, did you feel that? this like move to rock was to oh it, it caused a huge rift between me and my father he was you know we he started knocking all what i listened to yeah, okay. and i started knocking what he listened to yeah and uh we had a couple of major blowouts yeah. that uh, you know <laughs> resulted in you know we're never going to agree type of thing yeah but you know as i got older you know and i started you know you'd hear a glenn campbell song or a johnny cash song or a I don't know, Marty Robbins mm-hmm. or, you know, it, it, it kind of like, uh, you know, triggered a little nostalgia in me, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, to, to, you know, those were great. I mean, those were great musicians and those were great songs. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of still had that with me. I still took it with me despite the fact that I, I tried not to, it, you know, country music was kind of like, it was all hookup music. It was Tammy Wynette. Oh yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Conway Twitty, yeah, talking about their late night, you know, escapades, and it was all, you know, double and triple entendre, and yeah, uh, you know, um, so it was easy. It was an easy target for me. Of course, rock music at the time was all about drugs, and it had its own sexual rev- references. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we both had my father and I both had a lot of ammunition to throw at each other when it came to, you know, what we were listening to. Yeah. So when your wife bought you that guitar how soon did you start playing in a band um well that took a while yeah. because it really um you know before before um before i put the guitar down in college um it was really just a strummer you know i was just rhythm guitar player okay and when i picked it up again that's what i did and and, and uh you know again playing you know trying to you know just play 70 songs at the campfire and yeah um but you know, uh, eventually, uh, I met a guy who said, "Hey, we got some, we got some this group of guys that gets together about once a month, and we play '70s music, and it's, you know, uh, I think you'd, you'd be good working with us. Come and come and play with us." And and I did, and you know, it was just you know a really liberating experience. It brings that that you know, when people play in a band, doesn't kind of doesn't even matter how good the band is. It's uh-huh. just it's so so. Uh, inviting and so um, addictive. Yeah. So there were about ten guys, but only five ever showed up to anything. It was always, you know, not not the same five, okay. you know. And you know, uh, and we would we'd play picnics for you know beer and pork bellies and whatever they were serving that day. Okay. And um, and that that was that was cool again. Kind of brought me back to my garage band days a little bit. Yeah. 
And where was that? Was it just at friends' houses? Yeah, just people? just cookouts around Rhode Island. You know, okay. somebody would have a cookout and say, "Hey, could, you know, could you get the Lightning Brothers together?" And we'd we'd get out there, and and uh, they were some talented guys. Yeah, you know, they had some good harmonies for you know, like BG harmonies and oh, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, um, and it was just fun playing with them. It was mm-hmm. just always you know a lot of fun. So they kept telling me um, that there was a first Sunday jam in Foster that was a bluegrass jam. And I kept telling them, I, I really don't like bluegrass music. And they kept saying, no, go, you'll like it. Eventually, there was a rainy Sunday. Uh, nobody was around. I said, you know, if I go, they'll get off my case. So I drove out to Western Foster and uh, within 15 minutes said, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Yeah. So And then couldn't wait for next month so I could bring my guitar yeah. back and, and be part of what was going on. You know, I started playing. I, I, originally, I, I, uh, I noticed there were a lot of guitars. Yeah. And so I, I thought, well, you know, maybe it'd be better to play something different. And I, so I, I thought I'd try the fiddle. Yeah. I, I tried that for a while and it kind of beat me up a little bit because it's okay. a really demanding instrument. Yeah. But somebody said, hey, the mandolin is tuned just like the fiddle. You know, you could probably learn. You're used to a picked instrument. Yeah. So, you know, you could learn what you want on the mandolin and take it to the fiddle. And um, I just fell in love with the mandolin. So I've been playing the mandolin ever since. And did you teach yourself? Um, I started that way. I did that for as long as I could, uh, basically learning from the internet. And okay. then it just got to a point where I was just completely stymied, just couldn't get any better. And then started taking lessons from some people. So, and that that does, you know, there is no substitute for that because, yeah, uh, for some reason the internet doesn't tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> who did you Who did you take lessons with? Uh, I took lessons with Don Lurgio. I took a lesson with Kevin Fallon. A couple of lessons with him. I took. I and these are all I, people that are playing. They all like, local people, yeah. All local right, people. Like, like jam sessions. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Took a voice lesson with Mary McGuire. You know, just wherever I think I needed to fill in. Okay. And, um, so bluegrass wasn't really on your radar. You had just been completely these, like jam. Completely sessions. off the radar. Yeah. It was completely off the radar. And uh, it, it, really what it was is I really didn't know what bluegrass was. Uh-huh. I just had, in my mind, it was just, you know, what you might have heard on uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, okay. <laughs> to yeah. open the show, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and then really when I, I think what it did was it triggered my, my memories back to the 70s country music. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it, they're not really the same, but, it, you know, listening, if you were listening to Conway Twitty on the radio, you were also listening to Hank Williams. Yeah. You know, if you were listening to Tammy Wynette, then they also played Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. And some of those guys hearken, you know, their music harkens back to bluegrass. And um, so, you know, that's, I think, what, it, you know, how the appeal jumped in. Yeah, Okay. At one festival, was you know, at one bluegrass festival, was picking with some friends, and somebody said, "Hey, you know, we're looking, we're going to form a band, and need a mandolin player. Can you be the mandolin player?" And I, yeah. I said, "Yeah, sure. What the heck? I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun." So, uh, and that's kind of kind of like where it started. I I played around with those guys for a year and a half, probably two years, and then and then took a half a year off, and then and then formed um, the Greystone Rail, which is a band that, that I still have. Yeah, and um, was fortunate enough to be asked to play in a bunch of other bands um, in, in the process. So um, yeah, can you talk about Greystone Rail and like how that formed? And, and yeah, I you know um, it formed because uh, I was at it. I had been going to the, the it formed at the Woodland Meeting House. 
Um, That's the well, yeah, one of the guys that I'd seen there for years, and we were having fun jamming together. And I said, you know what? I'm not in a band right now. Why don't we try to? Why don't we put something together and mm-hmm. see if we can get some work and and uh, have some fun? So he he was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, a friend of mine, Jesse Burdick, you might know Jesse. Yeah. So um, I, you know, we started. I, I I knew of a bass player who was who you know had some free time. He was in a couple of other bands, but I knew he was going to be able to play for us. And then I had done some jams where um, Lizzie James had been had mm-hmm. been a part of it. I contacted her and said, "Hey, we, you know, we're starting a band, and maybe a female vocalist would be great. You know, I love the way you sing." And she was like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> <laughs> so we started it, and that really, you know, that was really the impetus for it. playing shows like where where do bluegrass shows happen in Rhode Island uh well um the Wood River Inn has had a bluegrass show on Sundays for the last I don't know it's got to be going on 30 years now yeah um so we would play there um at some point when Jesse left the band he moved to uh Vermont to take a job up there we brought in um Lou Bourbon Jr. as our as our banjo player Mm -hmm. and um he uh Said to me one day, you know, he said, "There's a there's a uh, market for bluegrass. There's an audience for bluegrass in Providence, but there are, there is no one putting on a weekly show." Yeah. So th- at the time, the only, then the only weekly show in, in Rhode Island would have been at the Wood River Inn in Hopkinton. Yeah. So um, we hunted around, found a place that had some space on a weeknight. Uh, we started on Thursdays. We thought Thursday was like the weekend for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, we marketed the you know, the living daylights out of it. And we had a great one year at, at uh, Lola's Cantina in Providence All right, doing yeah, okay. a weekly bluegrass show every Thursday night. And we moved it event after the first year, we moved it to Nicanese, mm-hmm. which is really, you know, Nicanese is, in my opinion, is Providence's central location for roots music and, and, and real music in Rhode Island. And uh, uh, it really should have been there to begin with because Lola's was more of a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, they, they closed now, so. Um, but the, Lola's was cool because they had the deck. Yeah, exactly. So um, you couldn't tell that there was music going on upstairs in the restaurant. So we, you know, either either Lou would go out with his banjo, or I'd go out with my oh, really? and and gather people off the deck. We'd do a little ro- roving uh, music, and and then people would come up and listen to music up there. So that that we had some great shows, packed houses up there. But then we moved it to Nicanese, and I mean, it, we're in our we're in our sixth year at Nicanese, so. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I think we started in 2012 with that. Okay. And yeah, and I know you brought through a lot of you know some bands that are on the rise in that bluegrass scene. Are there uh-huh. like other notable Rhode Island bluegrass bands that um, that you connect with a lot that you? It, it changes constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Four Bridges. If they weren't at the first show, they were at the first three shows that we ever did. Yeah. They still play 
they still play a bluegrass throwdown, which yeah. is what we call the show at Nickenies. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, they're still doing their thing. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to have Rock Hearts playing there in the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, they're, that's an all-star band. Uh, we had Neon Valley Boys oh, yeah, a yeah. few weeks ago. Um, which, you know, I mean, that's, they were the scene in, in, uh, in bluegrass, um, you know, a decade or so ago. So, yeah. um, I've had over 70 bands come through Yeah. some, you know, many local bands and pretty much any band that's a local band has come and played at Nicodies at least once, if not regularly coming back. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I've had bands come in through, you know, from Savannah, Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, Florida, Maine, Vermont. Uh, I've got two bands that come out from Albany, New York, uh, on a regular basis. And um, but Dire Switch Band comes out. Uh, their their leader Bob Bates um, is you know has played on the Grand Ole Opry on a regular basis. He played with Chuck Leuven. Wow. You know when when Chuck and Ira were not playing together, Leuven Brothers. So um, you know Chuck would call him and say, Hey, I got another Opry spot. Come on down. And he'd drive down to Nashville and <laughs> play with it. I mean that you know. That's just, you know, to me, that is just so special that somebody has, you know, who's who's a Nashville star, it's, you know, a Grand Old Opry star, plays it plays at Nickeny. So yeah, we had Jim Gorday come out from Albany, who's also, you know, had some, you know, had some bluegrass, some, he's played at some bluegrass festivals, has some real musical chops, and he just, you know, was a killer night. Yeah. So, um, and we've had a ton of Boston bands. Uh, yeah. Chasing Blue played there regularly. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it just sounds like a yeah. really big right. hub for for that style of music, and just like yeah, the place to be for yep. for bluegrass fans. It re it really has become like the Central Rhode Island bluegrass clubhouse, Southern New England, really. Northern Rhode Island, a lot of a lot of people. Again, a lot of the bands are coming from Boston, yeah. Northampton area. You know, people are coming from Fall River and, and places like that. It's just yeah. it's nice to have that one place you can go and have. You know, it's a really chill place, and and everybody can relax and, and enjoy. Yeah. Some good music. So I know that festivals are a really big part of the bluegrass scene. Are there um, some that you're connected to um, in Rhode Island? I, I mean, I think that yeah, you know, bluegrass might have shifted um, prior to yeah. Rhode Island, you know, Rhode Island has not um, by itself. Right in the borders of Rhode Island, there really is no bluegrass festival. Yeah. Um, recently. Um, the Gibson Hill Bluegrass Festival, which is a, a literal stone's throw over the border in Connecticut. Yeah. Right on the Coventry, Connecticut border. Uh, Coventry, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, Sterling, Connecticut border. Um, they've started a bluegrass festival and, yep. and, um, I've been fortunate enough to play there in the last few years. They do that every June. It'll, it'll be June again this year. And they'll bring a lot of the local bands that'll come out. It's more like, it's really, it, there's great picking at that festival. Yeah. And it's kind of like a family reunion for everybody who's a, who's a bluegrass picker in, in, in this area. So yeah. that's I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Podunk is another great festival. It's uh, not as large as Gray Fox, but larger right. than most of the small festivals. So it's yeah. right in that sweet spot. Uh, I'm actually playing there with the Bill Thibodeau Band this, this year. Oh, On great. Sunday we have a set. So uh, looking forward to that. You know, uh, every you know the mecca is to go out to Gray Fox. Yeah. You know. Uh, what other festivals have you played? Uh, Bluegrass on the Bogs. Um, I played a festival in Maine. The, I 
can't remember the name of the family. Uh, it was a great festival way up in Palermo, Maine. Okay. Uh, two years ago. Uh, I, Who was that with? Uh, I was with Bill Thibodeau. Okay. Uh, also with Bill, we played two years at the White Beach Bluegrass Festival. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was a lot of fun. Those are the only ones that popped to mind. Okay. But yeah, it's great. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to enjoy a festival, there's nothing better than being on stage for an hour. Yeah. So. But with that, yeah, I mean, you had just kind of mentioned it. And, um, you know, for those that may not be familiar, can you talk about that dynamic of what picking is and just uh, how, you know, from my own personal experience? Well, you know, the festival, it's almost like. You know, eighty percent of it is like not even watching the bands that are on stage, just hanging out. <laughs> Sometimes with your I, and I rarely get to, some on some festivals. It's hard for me to get up to the stage to see what's going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, picking for pickers, festivals are a huge source of uh, opportunities to get together to pick with other people. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of, I guess, it's kind of unique in the bluegrass world where you'll have. You know the you know uh, seasoned professionals on stage doing you know a great job at putting out a great musical product, and then a hundred feet away there's a group of people playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we when I first uh, started the Nick and East thing, we kind of our our concept was well you know we'll make it kind of like into a little bit of a mini festival atmosphere. So um, either the, it, as soon as the weather broke. Uh, I forget which band was playing, but the, uh, the the manager came out and he's like, the "Band's playing, but there were people picking out there and outside. Do you want me to? Do you want me to shut them down?" I'm like, "No." Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, "The band is not going to care." Yeah. You know, and um, and you know, this is part of the festival atmosphere or bluegrass picking situation. Yeah. So um, I've seen some great acts at festivals, but uh, but again, you know, I've spent a lot of time, more time, definitely more time. Picking than watching at, yeah. at any given festival. And is, I mean, do you think that that just harkens back to the those campfire? Because I mean, to me, it, it has that same it, feel of you know, we're just a group of people, you know, each on an instrument or two on an instrument, like playing songs and, and jamming and. Connecting. I think I think bluegrass, especially in southern New England area, um, has an extremely warm and welcoming in atmosphere. When it comes to picking, okay. So, um, you know, uh, I've known people that have gone to like Celtic jams, and you know, somebody tapped them on the shoulder and said, "You should really learn those songs before you come back." Oh, okay. All right. it, that's not going to happen at a bluegrass jam. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, or or you know, if you go to a blues jam, for instance, or a rock jam, you know, there's a lot of plugging in of equipment, and you know, maybe one person doing something, and and, and you know, very you know you know backed up by a couple but then everybody's kind of waiting their turn bluegrass is you know get out of your car pop your instrument case open jump in and be part of what's going on mm-hmm. and you know if you're not familiar with it you can you can lay back a little bit and uh you know you're not you're not really hurting anything yeah you know yeah if you've got something to do you have to show you can you get your opportunity to showcase your your uh, particular talent so it's it's. I think it's kind of unique in that way. I haven't seen any other genres of of bluegrass. I mean, a genres of musical jamming that are quite as welcoming. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. It was definitely something that. that yeah. I, uh, 
am envious of as a yeah. <laughs> as a drummer. You know? as a drummer. Um, you don't see many drummers at these things. I'm no, sorry. no. I mean, it was nice seeing uh, you know Steep Canyon Rangers and some of these newer bands bringing in some cajones and some other percussion yeah, instruments, but percussion. Uh, but still hasn't made it into the picking circles. It hasn't made it into the pick. Although I, you say that, Maybe I'll but break down that boundary. I've um, <laughs> yeah, I've 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 seen drummers. Uh, I picked with drummers at uh, Rhythm and Roots. Oh, okay. Okay, which is kind of like a you know you get cross pollination going there between genres. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean you know and you know done what any of the instruments that you bring to a jam, whether it's guitar, fiddle, mandolin, or a drum set, if it's done with taste and realizing yeah. you're, you're a portion of the music and not the central piece, it can be it can work. Yeah. Are there any occurrences that kind of come to mind um, of people that just popped in on, on one of these sessions and has stuck with it and has started to play and um, Oh, every, their, every day know, of the week. That, does that happen a lot? Every day of the week. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, if that doesn't happen for a while, we all start to get worried that, you know, I, I, the great, the story that, uh, that I've been sticking to for the last few months is uh, I got a call, I got an email from somebody on the Reba website saying that Which is Rhode, Island Bluegrass. Rhode Island Bluegrass Alliance. So they said, wow, I can't believe there's a Rhode Island Bluegrass Alliance. And my uh, 13-year-old son has become addicted to bluegrass music. And um, his birthday is next week. Can you, you know, is there a band that can come and play? Okay. So um, I said, yeah. I mean, I talked to my guys, and I, I, they said they were all fine. So it was like, yeah, we'll 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 do the birthday party. We went to the we went to the party, and it was a surprise party. And when he came in and saw that his mom had lined up a bluegrass band to him, he almost cried. Wow. I mean, it was just like, and this is a fourteen-year-old kid. He and his cousin sat down and watched us play. They didn't. I mean, they were like, it's fine. There was a whole party going on in this in this uh, hall. Yeah. They were not interested in the party. They were interested in watching what we were doing. So um, we inducted him into the Rhode Island Bluegrass Alliance, and we have a what's oh, called cool. a um, a learner loaner program. Okay. For for people who like, if you want to, you say, well, you know, maybe I think I'll take up the bass, but I don't want to buy a bass. Yeah. Um, we have a bass that we can loan you for six months to see if you can, you know, if that's what you really want, and then after okay. that, you can either re-up or uh, or buy your own base okay. so um so we loaned him a base you know and uh, yeah and he we, i've seen him at, at jam since then he he's a fantastic musician he's a he's uh he's in his jazz ensemble in in, in school mm-hmm. and he's now playing banjo bass and he's a drummer too yeah i mean that's just one example yeah that's I, great I, I so talk- like education is a big Part of what? Educate as far as the Rhode Island Bluegrass Alliance, education is a lot of what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do kids academies to for you know three or four festivals every year. Yeah. Um, Can you talk more about that? Like what what is that? But kids academy is so uh, a fa- you know bluegrass festivals are very family friendly events, mm-hmm. and a lot of times the kids they want to they want to do what they see the, the performers doing on stage so. Um, a kids academy is is for kids who are learning, and we'll take the kids for a few hours on you know a couple hours on Friday, a few hours on Saturday, and then usually on Sunday of the festival, 
you know, they'll get up and perform a couple of songs on the main stage. Mm -hmm. That's you awesome. know, yeah, and and I saw, uh, you know, two of our two of our students were on the uh, the root stage or this at, uh, at Podunk last year. They got together and performing. That's know. cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing better. So we do we do the kids academies, which is great uh, for getting kids, you know, really excited about playing. Yep. Uh, the, the kids love nothing better than be on the stage at the end of the week. I mean, that's just the weekend. That's just lovely for them. So uh, we do that. Uh, we started uh, three years ago. We started a slow jam in Foster. So a slow jam is a, is a jam that is going to be the, the jam is is more or less an instructional jam. We have we, we rotate through a bunch of different teachers. They really moderate the jam. Sometimes it's just people playing music. A lot of times it's questions. What do I do if somebody does this? Or what if I want to do that? Is that, is that appropriate? Okay. And there's no dumb questions at the slow jam. It's it's really all, uh, you know, it's, it's a very open environment. And mm -hmm. um, that's been really great for uh, mostly adults who want to learn to play. We just started an intermediate jam. Um, on the second Wednesday of the month at Nickenese before the show. Okay. So, um, and that's been that's been well attended. Yeah. And uh, you know, usually there are a couple of people there to, to make sure that the jam happens and that. You know, and is that just show up a little bit early with your instrument? Yeah, we start at six o'clock. Uh, yeah, show up with your instrument and just be part of what's going on. Nice. It's less instructional. Yeah, you know, many of the bands that are playing later that night pop out. We did like when the Dire Switch band was here last night. <laughs> like, they oh, they sweet, were a jam's they were on. waiting and they sat there and, and sang some songs with us and played yeah. a couple of songs. Yeah, it was great. That must be yeah. I mean, that, that must be really cool to just be so um, like a lot of those lines seem to, to be blurred of the the bands and the the fans, I guess. You know, from from my experience, that just people are looking. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of egos. There's not a lot of not in bluegrass anything. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I I've walked by the hot dog stand and there's Chris Thiele chatting with somebody. Yeah, and you can walk, you know, you can just be there and you know, uh, Del McCrory if he's walking around, he just you know he'll just talk to you. I mean, yeah, it's just, that it, is you know, a similar experience. This, you know, there's no bodyguards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, you know? right. Exactly. Um, even though they're like literally some of the most talented musicians on right. the planet. You know, right? Del played with Bill Monroe. Everyone, you know, right? <laughs> That's great. Um, with regard to recording, what uh, records have you done? Did you record these in, in the state? Uh, you know, I've I've um, uh, I recorded some pieces for some friends' work, and uh, we, we did a uh, Lizzie James and the Great Stone Rail album that we recorded. We did a live recording of that probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm still proud of that work. Yeah. Uh, we we used uh, we were at Graham Mellor's studio. Where is that? Uh, at the time, I think it was Cumberland or Woonsocket. Okay. His studio is now in uh, North Kingston. Okay. So, uh, but we really uh, we really had fun making that recording. Yeah. But and I've done I've done work on other people's recordings too. Yeah, just being part of that that scene there. Yeah, people will, people will say, "Hey, I need some mandolin pieces. Can you help me out?" Yeah. And I'm always you know, super anxious to help people out with that kind of thing. So that's great. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's it's kind of like you know, if a year goes by, then you listen to it and you say, well, no, I wouldn't do that that way again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, can I re-record that? No, it's already been construed. It's <laughs> yeah. I think that that's pretty true for any musician. Probably, I, you know. 
some level of, you know, when it's done. At least that's the approach that I've taken. It's just like, all right, this is a little snapshot of what I was doing at that time. Right, exactly. So, exactly. As painful as that snapshot can be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, well, at least it's better that way than if it went, you know, it was reversed of you're like, I can't do that anymore. I'm not as good as I Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, no, that's so, like the nightmare scenario. So, that I, haven't, I haven't hit that downward curve yet. Yeah. <laughs> physically capable of playing that fast, you know, so. You want to talk any more about, uh, about Reba? Well, just, you know, um, you know, we're a grassroots organization. We started uh, to try to fill the hole of having no no regional organization here mm-hmm. uh, in, in southern New England. You know, the things that we've done have been all based on, you know, participation. We're currently the fourth largest bluegrass alliance or bluegrass association in the country. Oh, wow. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of interest in bluegrass in southern New England. Yeah. So because I, mean, I would say that, like... Uh, North Carolina, like I, IBMA is probably the biggest, right? Well, like, there's a know, com- combination like, of a couple of things. In North Carolina, there are many bluegrass associations. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, so they, they kind of like chop the state up into I smaller gotcha. pieces. Yeah. So that, that we, that we have, we're not only Rhode Island, we're Southern New England. So we have Rhode Island, a piece of Connecticut, and a piece of Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, is that a lot of these organizations, you pay, to join so you get voting rights. Oh, okay. That wasn't, you know, when we when we formed Rebo, we really wanted to be as inclusive as possible. We wanted to get the word out about what was going on because people always say, I didn't know that there was a festival. I didn't know there was a, a show. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when we started the organization, if you joined during the first year, you get a free lifetime membership. Cool. So... You know, other organizations are saying, well, give me $25, $50, $75. You know, it kind of like cuts down on their enrollment. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, but that's great what, what you're doing. Well, it worked because we really were able to bring people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do we do a yearly picnic, P-I-C-K-Nick. Yep. Get it? Picking? Nick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're not above being silly. Um, and, and that has been traditionally a one-day. This year it will be a two-day event. Of uh, fellowship, we give classes, we do raffles for the organization, uh, and there are, you know, if the weather's nice, there are usually six or seven picking circles going on at one time where people are picking. It's cool. Just, yeah, it's great. It's it's great if you like to pick. It's great to go if you like to watch people pick. It's like going to a it's like going to a festival where you could just choose your stage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so that that that's a great event. We did our fourth Hall of Fame event this year. We induct um, people of note. In mm-hmm. the Southern New England bluegrass community, so uh, that's that's you know we think that that's proper and part of our our uh, mission is to you know is to yeah. hold those memories. Who are who are some of the people that have been inducted? Uh, Mike Crop, Mike Fishman, Jeff Horton. Uh, we inducted Jim Muller and Sharon Harvich and Charlie Pike this year. We we try to inv- induct two or three people a year. Yeah. And where, where uh, can you Sam find Tidwell, uh, Bill Hall, nice. would be other notables that, that come yeah. right to mind, and there are others. I just yeah. I just don't have them. Where 
can someone find more information about? Uh, ribluegrass.org. Okay. Uh, we, um, we've done a vendor showcase where we bring bands and they bands get half an hour to showcase their, uh, their stuff to producers, club owners, festival organizers, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, so bands have gotten work out of that. We did that. We did that once we're planning on doing that again. Um, uh, we'll be going into schools. We've got a program that we, that we, uh, use from the IBMA. So, uh, we've actually played at schools for, uh, for music programs at schools. And, and it's really, it's really about outreach. I, I, you know, uh, we promote the, the three regularly scheduled bluegrass shows in the area, the Wood River Inn every Sunday, uh, my, my show in Providence every Wednesday. And, um, during the warm months, the Killing Lee Grange, which is just over the border in Dayville, Connecticut, uh, they have a, a, one, a monthly show too. So we try to keep those shows going. And, and if there are any other shows that pop up, you know, we want to be able to promote them and let people know that they're out there and let the fans, you know, give them some place to go and enjoy the music. Yeah. I guess with, with all this stuff, I mean, it seems like you've just been doing a lot in pretty short period of time, you know, just like vaulted into this Rhode Island bluegrass scene. Um, yeah. My friend says when the bluegrass bug bites, <laughs> it bites hard. <laughs> um, what would you say is like a, a, a memorable musical, accomplishment like was it a certain stage you played on or a certain musician that you played with or oh you know you know every time you know it, it's like every time you know when I get together with my guys uh, you know it's just I, I can't believe that that I get a chance to play with them uh when I'm when I'm uh, working in the Bill Thibodeau band I, I can't believe that I that you know that I'm playing with Bill Thibodeau and and Larry New and, and, and Debbie Hall and some of these people that are just so inured in into the bluegrass environment and, and yeah. I get a chance to play with them. For me, it's just like every opportunity is like, I just can't believe I'm doing this. You yeah. know, because, I don't know, 25 years ago, if somebody would have told me that I was, you know, going to be singing in a band and playing, you know, playing local clubs or festivals or even parties, I would have said, hey, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it also sounds like you've just been a, an instrumental part of that, of like pulling a scene together and. and well, um, you know, it's you know, really you know, just being being around, it, you know, but it's I, not just a know. lot of a lot of really nice people will think if the show is really good at, in, in Providence, you know, they'll say, oh, thank you for doing all you do, and and my response is, I know of it. It sounds it sounds like I'm not being sincere, but it is really truly sincere. I'm just feeding my habit. If there was no scene, it would be hard for me to enjoy it. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So I'll do what I can. You know, um, I think I in the last six years I've missed three Wednesdays. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, it's just it's a you know it's a good place to go and 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 it's, and it's my happy place. That's great. You know, well, I think that's probably a good place to to end it. So thanks, Sal. Great. I appreciate it. Time is young and so are we. Woods are green and roads are yonder. Path is new, the world is free. Path is new.